Good morning, Arbor Church. Welcome to the 11 o'clock service. Yeah, a little more lively. People are a little more awake at 11 o'clock. Yes. Oh, no. please, Garrett, don't start cheering. No cheering from Garrett. All right. My name is Scott. Um, I have the honor of being able to speak here from time to time on the speaking and sharing team. Um, I'm a principal in the Bellevue School District. Got three of my own children who are almost all grown, a 17-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 22-year-old. And my 22-year-old just gave me fashion sense before I came up here, all right, along with several other people that I didn't know were into fashion so much. So I appreciate your fashion sense this morning. Thank you there. Um, welcome to Arbor Church and our current series, Dangerous Prayers. Um, these are prayers that should come, as Jake would say, with a warning label. Um, they're prayers that while we probably shouldn't pray them, we need to pray them, but they're dangerous because they're going to push you into arenas and areas of your walk with God that can, let's just say, maybe get uncomfortable and trying at times. But I promise you the reward of praying these dangerous prayers is that you might begin living a dangerous life for Christ. Um, And we're going to examine those. Last week, we started with the first series of search me, the idea of reveal to me. This week, we're going to talk about break me. And then next week, we're going to finish up with send me. So those are the three dangerous prayers that we're looking at and how they play out in the scripture and how God wants them to play out in our lives. Last week, Jake opened us up by uh, talking about search me, and we learned at least a couple things last week. One is that Jake really has no boundaries on what to share in public and what not to share in public. <laughs> He just sees the line and consistently crosses. He crosses over it more now than he used to. Now that he's having these exams done and stuff, I don't want to hear about that, Jake. Can we go back to talking about fishing? Or The other thing is that Jake really is, if you know him, OCD enough to be running a chop saw at 2 a.m. in his neighborhood. All right? But I hope those weren't the two only things you took away from last week. Because as we entered into this, as we started the series on Search Me, you heard Jake share that search our heart to, re- to, to, to reveal what evil lies within there. What is it in our heart, God, that's holding us back? Search our fears. Where don't I trust you enough, Jesus? And search our sins. Uncover what it is in my life I need to repent of. The search me opens us up to Jesus's full examination. Now, I had a medical procedure this week, but it was an MRI and it was much more much less invasive. There was nothing to flush at the end of the session. I just climbed in the tube of claustrophobia, all right? Listened to my tunes, did my deep breathing, and 20 minutes later, I was back out. I think all is good. I'll find out tomorrow about my little back situation going on. But the idea is this. When you go to the doctor, they examine you to search you to see what needs to be healed, all right? And as we move through that into this dangerous prayer this week, Probably, I don't know if one's more dangerous than the other, but break me. That just doesn't sound fun. Why would we ever do a prayer of break me? What would prompt us to do that? As we pray this, we need to think about what does break me mean to Jesus versus what it means to us. Because I think in our society, the idea of break me carries a bad meaning. It reminds me of Karate Kid, you know, Johnny's out there. Finish him, you know, in the, you know, and all that. That's the break me that comes to mind for me. I just really dated myself right there with the karate kid. I'm going to stop right there, and we're going to pray, 
that I can get back focused on our message today. So let's open up in a word of prayer. My goodness, Lord, it has been a, Jake shared it, it's been a chaotic morning. It really has. And it's been a fast weekend, Lord. I was just in Montana less than 12 hours ago. And here I am today to share a message, a powerful message from you, Christ, on this life-changing, dangerous prayer of break me. So God, I pray that you would first of all make sure this is your words and your message. I've got notes, but you've got a purpose today. So God, I pray that you would move me out of the way and that we would hear from you and your scripture. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears that want to hear, hearts that want to listen, and feet that want to go change the world. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be your vessels for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up as a reckless child. I probably haven't grown up too much from that. One of my favorite things was to climb things. A wall, yeah, a wall. You can climb a wall. There's always a way. Trees, fences, buildings. That was college, so I didn't grow up too fast. Um, Cliffs, rocks. Anywhere we go in the outdoors, I'd end up climbing something. It just was a pastime of mine. I love climbing. My favorite thing I tried to climb for the very young of my life was a this legendary tree in my aunt's backyard. It was a weeping willow. Does anybody know what a weeping willow tree is? You can all Google this later. If I'd been prepared, it would have been up there on the screen. But I'm not that OCD, so I went to bed last night. Um, but a weeping willow is like an oak tree with its branches, really cool branches, with these other leaves and branches that hang down, like droop down like a really bad wig on a tree, right? Kind of like my Aunt Ginger's wig for a while, all right? She's going to kill me for that if she's listening to this sermon, isn't she? Can you edit that part out? I don't even think my Aunt Ginger ever wore a wig, maybe now that I think about it. But this tree was legendary because we, we were so little that eventually we could grab the first branch and get up on the first level of branches. And then as I grew a little taller, I could get the next branch and get up a little bit higher. Well, I finally reached the ripe age of eight, and I was determined to climb to the top of that tree. And as I'm climbing, I've got all my cousins and siblings below me going, you can't do that. That's too tall, which only inspired me and motivated me more. Then as I got higher and higher, they go, oh my gosh, you're going to die. You're going to fall. You're going to kill yourself, which even inspired me more to go higher. And eventually I got to the top of the tree and I'm trying to poke my head out of it like I'm in a cartoon and I'm standing on two very tippy branches and the tree swaying a little bit, but I have conquered this weeping willow tree. As I'm standing there trying to be like Tarzan with my head out looking over, I hear a snap. That's not really a sound you want to hear at the top of a tree. This thing I remember is just waking up in the living room, all right? Apparently what happened between then and there was a body cascading through the weeping willow, bouncing from branch to branch and landing flat on the ground. My cousin, I think either Jamie or Janelle or one of them, ran into the house and all they yelled was, Scott's dead. (laughs) Which is exactly what a bunch of moms and aunts and grandmas sitting around playing pinochle want to hear as they're sipping their coffee. Some child just died in the backyard. The fact that they said Scott probably ushered the level of stuff because they knew that I liked to climb things. I was okay. Nothing got broken on me that day, believe it or not. I was actually back outside in 20 minutes, rubbed some dirt on it, and kept on going because that's what we did in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) The point of that is throughout my years of growing up, we had a lot of broken things happen to us, me and my friends and my brothers. And it was weird because we see how far we could jump a bike how high a cliff we could jump off, just how far we could push the boundary, and every once in a while we'd get broken. But those broken moments together and fun and physicality, 
like bonded us. It's like a wicked, weird thing. And we became deep friends because of those experiences. Little did I know the prelude of all that physical breaking was just a shadowing of the real breaking that comes in life as you grow up. Oh, if it was only some of the physical breakings that we could put a cast on or a Band-Aid. But I think when we get to this dangerous prayer of break me, why we hesitate is because we know as we get older that it's more than just the physical breaking that there is to be afraid of or to hesitate from. But Jesus gives us a different picture about praying break me. He shares a story that reveals he seeked he sought out to be broken, that he prefers to use the broken. There's a story of a carpenter that chose to pray, break me, and then turns around after being broken and challenges us to do the same. We're going to start with our passage in Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. If you've got it in your Bibles or on your phones, that's fine, or you can look up on the screen. Some backstory here. Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to celebrate the Passover. Earlier in the day, Jesus had been having dinner at a friend's house, and a woman had come in and broken an alabaster or a jar of rich perfume over his head. And it was like a symbolic symbol of what Jesus was going to be talking about later because she broke it and poured it on Jesus. Later that night, as Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room celebrating the Passover, which came to be known as the Last Supper, he used the same language that an analogy of earlier in the day that the disciples saw of someone breaking something and pouring something. And I wonder if that analogy was still in Jesus' mind when he used the words of what he was saying in here to his disciples. And we find it starting in verse 22. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In this passage, Jesus sets himself up as the perfect example of what it means to pray, break me and what it means to be broken, and that he chose this path. That's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. He was broken and poor. You look up the word broken, and you find some cinnamon, cinnamon, see, that's been a long day. That thing that sounds like the other word, and means kind of the same thing, I don't know. Broken, all right? Wrecked, destroyed, smashed, shattered, fragmented. Oh yeah, thank you. Let's go pray, break me. Poured, all right, is to be emptied. It's, in this translation, it literally means to send from one container to another container or many other containers. I want you to think of that picture of those word choices that Jesus was using here. Breaks the bread. This is broken. This is my body that's going to be broken for you. This wine is me being poured out, the blood sacrifice, washing away your sins, being poured out into you. In that moment, I don't think the disciples fully grasped what he was saying, because many of them may have left earlier than they did. 
So we come to the first principle that I want to share with you today. People were attracted to Jesus because of his miracles, but they bonded to Jesus by his brokenness. People were attracted to Jesus by his miracles, but they, were bond, they would be bonded to Jesus by his brokenness. Jesus knew one thing. He couldn't stay on life just doing miracle after miracle after miracle, because by doing that, the disciples, the ones closest to him, had even created a box of expectations. This is how Jesus is going to use us. This is how this story is going to play out. Jesus is going to build a kingdom, and we're going to be part of that. And we do that all the time as Christians today. We build our own box of how Jesus is going to use us, the expectations of if we live a Christian life, what will happen. And then Jesus comes in and says, let's break all that. And we resist. And we avoid. And we fight that. The Last Supper was a prelude to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The breaking of his body and pouring out his blood is a payment for our sins. His breaking of the bread represented his body being crucified. The wine poured out for the disciples symbolized the pouring of blood for their sins. His death was the ultimate, his death was the ultimate brokenness. His prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but yours be done, break me. He expects no less from us because there's something that Jesus knows and there's something he knew that night. The disciples didn't get right away. I didn't get it right away in my life. I still struggle probably at times. Some of you may have not gotten it yet. That there's a message of break me and brokenness that has something more majestic on the other side than we could ever imagine. The next slide I want to put up is going to talk about a character that sat at this table. The disciples are around that table. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to zoom in on one character. His name was Peter. God made two predictions that night at the dinner. Jesus did. First, he said, someone's going to be betray me. That turned out to be Judas. The next one, he made a very specific prediction and looked right at Peter and said, Peter, tonight you'll deny me three times. Peter said, no way. There's no way I'm going to deny you three times, Jesus. I'm not going to do that. I will die for you. In fact, I've got a sword. Jesus says, no, you'll deny me three times tonight. They left. They went to the garden. When Jesus was getting arrested, Peter drew the sword out, chopped off the ear of a servant. God, Jesus said, put the sword away. He put the sword away, and then they fled. Eventually, Peter ended up near Pilate's palace where Jesus was being tried. And thus began a night for Peter that would forever change his life. The first person came up to him and said, hey, don't you know, I, you look familiar. I think you're one of the disciples. No, I do not know the man. Denial number one. He moved off. A little bit later, somebody else came up to him. I know you know him. I've seen you with him. You sound like him. You look, no, I don't know him. Denial number two. What is Peter's mind right now? He just sat in a room. Jesus said, my body's going to be broken. I'm going to pour out my sight for you. You're going to deny me three times. And here he is on his second denial. So this time he puts on a cloak. He moves closely over to by a fire to try to just hide out and sit there. And that's where he picked the story up. And that brings us to point number three. Those who God uses the most are those who have been broken the most. 
And you're about to go on a journey with me on the story of Peter to show how brokenness is not the end. And that even though Peter did something here that's going to break him, it eventually would make him who Jesus wanted him to be. Those, all right, who God uses the most are those who have been broken the most. So let's look at Peter, who is determined, two strikes already, I am not going to deny Jesus a third time. We pick it up in Luke chapter 22, verse 60. Peter replied, someone just asked him again, third time, I know you know this guy, you look familiar. No way. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. I'm going to pause there for a minute. What would have made your hair on your back stand up more? The minute you heard the rooster crowed? Or the minute your Savior Messiah looked down from a balcony across a crowd of people and locked eyes with you? Where was Peter's mind and heart right then? I think back to when I was in church as a little kid, and when I got to middle school, we were allowed to sit where we wanted in church with our friends, and oftentimes the junior high group would sit off to the side in our sanctuary and towards the back a little bit, and we'd pretend we were listening, we'd hold our Bibles like this, but we'd write notes and pass notes up and down the aisle, we thought we were being sneaky, and I'd be over there doing this, and we'd be passing notes all back and forth, and all of a sudden I could feel the side of my head like catch on fire, like my ear was burning and something was boring into my head. And I knew that somewhere across the auditorium, my sweet, beautiful, lovely mom was giving me the look. <laughs> Anybody's mom got the look? You don't even have to be in the room. They can do it through walls. <laughs> they also know when you're trying to give them a look and you're like, don't you roll your eyes at me? How can you even see that? <laughs> my mom was a master of looks and knowing when we were giving a look. But I guarantee you, my mom's look across the church auditorium to tell me to straighten up and don't you dare embarrass me. I do not think that's the look that Jesus gave Peter. I don't think there was condemnation. I don't think there was rebuke. I don't think there was disappointment. I think it was a look of, this is going to make you or break you, Peter. What are you going to do now? And Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me or disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Broken. Broken. Where have you been broken in your life? Where have you sat in a moment and gone, all is done? There's no hope. Just a few days later, Peter would discover an empty tomb. He would return to fishing, and while fishing one day, he would see his Savior walking along the beach, and he would get so excited, he would jump out of the boat to swim to shore. He would then sit around a fire, have a meal with Jesus, and then in a moment, Jesus turned and looked at him and said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, I love you. In that moment, Peter was looking at Jesus and saying, break me. Let me prove to you I love you. Do with me what you need to, Jesus. What is it you need? What is it you want? Break me. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't chastise him. He didn't make him grovel in the, in the errors that he made. Feed my sheep. Just a few weeks later, after the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the pouring, the pouring of the Holy Spirit into the disciples, Peter delivered one of the most amazing first ever messages of repentance. 3,000 people came to the Lord in one day. Break me may just make me who Jesus needs me to be. I thought I was done at one point in my life. I thought I was broken beyond repair. You know my story that I've been through a divorce. But it's an honest story of where you had an expectation of how your life was going to be. See, some of you don't know the story of me and Jake. Jake and I had it going on back in the youth group day. (laughs) I say that humbly, but we had fun times. We had good youth groups, and they were great. We ran a Friday night outreach called M80 that at the height of it was bringing in six to 700 junior hires on a Friday night. And Jake and I would sweat a little halftime talk to put together. Jake would sweat about it more than me because he's OCD. <laughs> but we had booming youth groups. That's how we got to know each other. That's how we bonded through ministry and butted heads through ministry. That's what makes us brothers today. I had this box built. I was being used by God. I'm a youth pastor. Things are going good. Things are great. I had this expectations if I do this and that. And then it all came along and just, bam, fell apart around me. And I realized that was my own idea of how God would use me, my own idea of how he would make me who he wanted to be. And there was another thing that happens because we live in a world where bad things happen. I don't always believe, all right, that it's because you did something wrong. Sometimes bad things happen. And God puts it there for us to grow and reveal to us what we need to do. So I was standing there in my moment of divorce, broken. And it's when God revealed to me that in this moment of breaking, maybe there's a blessing. So our next point is this. God's greatest breaking leads to our greatest blessing. But only if you're willing in that moment to pray that dangerous prayer of, break me. That seems like an odd thing to do when you're already feeling broken and down, but there's a moment and I surrender. God, I got to give it to you. We try to hold on and fix things. It's in our nature to try to make it work, or I can do this, I can do that. Break me. Surrender to the brokenness. Peter recognized that. Peter recognized he didn't have anything feared about Jesus like he thought he did. He thought for sure he's bringing in the kingdom for Israel. He thought for sure the disciples would be sitting on the thrones. He had it all planned out. He was going to go from fisherman to prince. And Jesus was going to reign over all. That all got torn down. 
But Peter then began to discover when he got broken and he said, break me, that God had a better story for him. And he became the cornerstone, all right, of a movement from Jerusalem and out that transformed the world and rewrote history. What does it mean for us in our life and walk with Jesus when we say, break me? God chose his one and only son to model the prayer of break me to the, to, to the means to usher in the greatest blessing man could ever receive. Forgiveness, salvation, and relationship. Divorce broke me and it caused me to pray break me. But it led me to a place where I was faced with the choice of getting bitter or getting better. Getting bitter only brings blame. Getting better brought blessings and openness to my Savior. When I cried out my most desperate moment for Jesus to save me is when I realized the blessings of relationship I'd never known before. And when I prayed, break me, it was the first time in my life I felt that Jesus truly, truly cared about me. You may be sitting in your own brokenness right now, fighting the surrender to it. I'm not here saying that you're deserving what is happening and that there's some big lesson or meaning in for, for you. What I'm saying is this. In the midst of that brokenness, pray break me. Some of you are not sitting in brokenness. And things are going great for you. And perhaps it's even a greater dare and danger for you to say, break me. Because you better hold on. So why would you do it? If the greater blessing lies on the other side, what blessing, Scott? Well, oftentimes we think of materialistic blessings. Yes, eight years later, later I've been blessed. I'm a principal in Bellevue, making good money, having a great job, three healthy kids. God has blessed me. But he's also blessed me with a better understanding of my relationship with him and who I am as a broken man in Christ. But there's a greater blessing that you discover when you pray the prayer, break me. Whether you're in the midst of brokenness or where you're not in the middle of brokenness and you say, break me, you're saying to God, I'm ready. I surrender it. Break me down. Build me back up. It's not an easy process. But he does it all through scripture. We already said Peter denied Jesus, then he preached and saved thousands. All right? Paul murdered Christians. Then he was surrendered and knocked to his feet and led to the new churches. Moses balked, and then he marched and found God and spoke to God. All throughout Scripture, anybody all right, receiving blessings from God had to go through break me. So it brings us to our next and last point is this. What is the greatest blessing? Our greatest intimacy with God lies on the other side of our brokenness. Our greatest intimacy with God lies on the other side of brokenness. I'm going to refer quickly back to our opening passage. You don't need to turn there. I want you to picture what Jesus was doing. Break the bread. This is my body broken for you. Then he poured out the wine. He made a reference all right, he says, I will drink of this vine again until I am, until I am in heaven new with the king, new, in a new kingdom with my God and Savior. What Jesus knew was this, that his body being broken and laid out was an example for us to follow in the process of being broken with him. 
We find this also in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In Psalm 34, 18, we read, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, this, this idea of praying break me is counterintuitive to the, the love theology we have of God this day. God is love. God does love us. But God loves us too much to let us stay where we are. God loves us too much to let us stay who we are. God loved himself too much to stay where he was, distance from his creation. So Jesus came to earth and as a carpenter said, break me so that we don't have to stay where we are with our creation. Peter disowned Jesus three times, wept bitterly, said, break me, and was made by Jesus to be a leader of the church. See, the world doesn't have much use for the phrase, break me. Unless maybe you're in a CrossFit gym and your coach is yelling at you. (laughs) Doesn't have much use for broken things or the idea of getting broken down because the world's all about building up. Build yourself up, build yourself up, build yourself up. Put, you know, we just celebrated Halloween. A lot of masks out there, weren't there? I kind of think it's Halloween every day in our world, really, and even at the church. We all build up these ideas, these principles, these boundaries, these things we put up to make us propped up looking good. It's all just a bunch of tinder and kindling. Because Jesus can come right along and say, break it. No, I built that up. I worked hard for that. Break it. Do you dare pray a dangerous prayer of break me? People ask me, so did you say break, pray, break me, and God led you through a divorce? No. But I did pray, God, break me and show me what you need me to know about myself. Divorce happened. And in the process, I continue to pray, God, break me. What is it that I'm not seeing? What can you do with me? See, I thought I was done. I thought I was broken and disregarded. How can I be a youth pastor anymore? How can I do any kind of ministry? So I did what Peter did. I quit. I went back to fishing, so to speak. I left ministry. I went back to doing the one thing I learned to do right out of high school, building houses. And I'm not very good at it, let me tell you. I can do the framing and all that pretty well. When it comes down to like sheetrock and taping and caulking, oh my good Lord, I can't even do any of that. Picked up a job at Costco pushing carts for the insurance. That's what I did for almost a year, folks. Because I was done. I was useless. Feeling bad for myself. Living in blame. And it wasn't until I said, all right, God, I'm done with this. You've got to break me and either help me get forward or I'm done. Because I can't do this. Because what I found out about God is this. He takes garbage and turns it into gold. All right? He takes junk and he'll turn it into jewelry. 
He takes a zero and can turn him into a hero. He takes brokenness and turns it into beauty. And when I began to own my brokenness, and when I began to share my brokenness, and even after I got through those days and I began to get better and build my life back together in ways, and God blessed me and opened up doors for me, because Lord knows I should not be an elementary school principal. I'm probably one of the least qualified people for that. But he gave me opportunity. I took advantage of that. And even in the last few years, I kind of held off talking about things until I found out the power of when you share with people, when you've prayed, break me, and you've been broken, and God builds you back up, and you find out that on the other side of brokenness is an intimacy with God that you've never had before. Because you can't relate to brokenness. And what a carpenter did on the cross until you've been broken. And when you break together, you bond together. And when you can go through brokenness and still say, break me. And when you're in the best part of your life and you dare step out and say, God, break me. And you let him break you down. He will make you into something you never imagined. And he will bring in blessing and he will bring in promises. But more importantly, he will bring in an intimacy that you've never had before. And it will reveal a truth of Jesus to you that he stepped across centuries, eons, and time to do. Since my divorce, I have tried to live a life of authenticity. I try not to live with a mask on. That was my biggest lesson in when I prayed, break me. Quit being fake, Scott. Be real. Be true. I started up a small group. I hadn't done a small group in probably 10 years because like I said, I didn't think I had anything to share or give people. It started because over the last two years, guys started reaching out to me knowing my story. First it was two, then it was three, then it was five, then it was six, then it was seven. Broken men. We meet. I'm a good listener, I'm a good talker, but I know that's not why I'm just there. I'm there to show them that their break me is pointing them to Jesus. Because if your break me prayer doesn't end up at the feet of Jesus, then you're just gonna end up broken. Because Jesus is a great physician that can heal and rebuild, but you can't know the power of the physician unless you haven't been broken. And he wants to heal you and make you through the prayer of break me. We began last week with the prayer of search me. Where we asked Jesus to reveal to us who we truly are. Our fears. This week we're praying break me. Sorry, break me. To remove what needs to be done and repair what needs to be, has been damaged. And to surrender to Jesus. Finally next week we're going to talk about the dangerous prayer of send me. Each one of these dangerous prayers, search me, break me, send me, builds upon one another. Search me opens yourself up first to having God talk to you. Break me puts you down on your knees in front of God. Send me helps you get up off your knees and walk with God. What I found out in my own life, in my own journey, 
as I was trying to walk with God, having never experienced break me. So I was walking with God in this disconsciousness of I didn't know what I didn't know. And while he can be effective and useful and powerful through that, once your eyes are awoken to the brokenness of break me, you become relentless in the pursuit of getting others to understand the intimacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus intentionally chose to be broken. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the original person to pray, break me. I often wonder, did he pray that before he even came to earth? And recognize the depth of that in Gethsemane that night when he was sweating blood and said, not my will, but yours. So now he turns and asks us as he looks across the courtyard at Peter in the eyes. You're broken. Or you think you got it all figured out, Peter. Wherever you are, it's now time for you to say, break me. Our challenge today is simple. Jesus was broken for us and he said, break me, God. My challenge for you this week is to go out and find time in your life to say, break me. I'll be honest with you, it truly is a dangerous thing to do. But like the Allstate commercial, I promise you this, you are in good hands. I promise you, you are in good hands. They're scarred hands. They're hands that bled for you. His body was beat. His hands will hold you tight. They're scarred. They're a carpenter's hand. They got calluses, but they're tender to the touch and he will heal you. He will never let anybody take you out of there. But you can't fully experience that if you're not willing to say, I dare you, God, please break me. Let's pray.